0: Hi, my name is Christy Kramer and this is Michigan Unsolved, the true crime podcast that is solely focusing on unsolved cases in Michigan. There is no case too small. My goal is to give victims of unsolved crimes the voice they deserve. everyone. Welcome back. Today, again, I have Ozzy here with me, so I do apologize if you hear any noises in the background. I'm hoping to be back to recording off-site in the next couple of weeks. So, until then, he will be joining me as my guest host. Today's story is a very lengthy story. I honestly do not know if I'll be able to get through it in one recording, or if it's going to need to be a two-part episode. Um, the system that I use only allots for a certain amount of time, and I just don't know if I can get it all in in that time allowed. So, um, it is, there's so much information here. I have read every, literally every article, um, listened to every podcast, watched every interview. I want to make sure that you guys have the most informed information possible because the story is it's very tragic um and honestly it's still ongoing you know there's there's no resolution to the story at this point obviously because it's on an unsolved podcast (laughs) so today's story i'm going to jump right in because like i said it's a long one today i'm covering the story of the skelton brothers who went missing on Thanksgiving Day, November 25th, 2010. They were last seen at 2.30 p.m. that afternoon in their yard by a neighbor. Before we go on, I do want to tell you about the boys. Andrew Ryan was nine years old at the time of his disappearance. He was born November 20th, 2001. He was four foot one and 57 pounds, he would now be 21 years old. Alexander William was born November 4th, 2003. He was 3 foot 9 and weighed 45 pounds. He was 7 years old at the time of his disappearance, and he would be 19 now. Tanner Lucas was 5. He was born October 20th, 2005. He was three foot six inches and weighed 40 pounds, and he would be 17 years old now. As I mentioned, they were last seen Thursday, November 25th, 2010, which was Thanksgiving Day at 2.30 p.m. in their yard by a neighbor. The vehicle that they were associated with at the time was a blue Dodge Caravan with Michigan plates, 9 j QH93. Uh, before we go on to what happened, I want to tell you about their parents. Tanya Lynn Zuvers, that's her maiden name at the time, her last name was Skelton, and John Russell Skelton um, had married in 2002. They had been together since. I believe 2000. Uh, Tanya's family was very large. She had a large family um, located in Morenci where, where the story takes place. They're a very close knit family. Uh, She was married before. She has two older daughters. This part about Tanya, a lot of confuses, a lot of people and it does play a big part into the story. Um, I am not going to downplay this. It is extremely serious. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll Tanya and her husband had a business together and there was a worker who was a teenager. And um, Tanya actually pled guilty to fourth-degree criminal sexual conduct in 1998 for having um, inappropriate relationships with this teenager, which was a felony conviction, and she was put on the sex offender registry. Um, This was not a young child. It was a teenager. Not that that makes it okay, but keep that in your mind because it plays a part later Um. But as you know, you know, the majority of sex offenders, um, they, I don't want to say they have a type, but most people who, most sex offenders that go after teenagers aren't going to go after a five-year-old, if you understand what I'm saying. Um, so this was, you know, this one-time incident she had, this incident happened. She went to jail. She served her time, but Again, she is on the sex offender registry and has a felony conviction. In that was in 1998. In 2001, she had Andrew. Um, so she was with John at that point, And they were married in 2002. John was well aware of her past and her conviction um, before they even started the date. He knew about it. He married her anyway. He had three children with her he did not have an issue with it. She was a stay at home mom and she was taking classes at a community college. John Russell Skelton, um, his family was, he did have some family in Morency. His parents lived, his parents and his sister lived in Jacksonville. That's where he grew up. He was not close to them. He was really not close to any of his family. Um, There was a lot of, you know, a lot of arguing with his family. His parents, you know, they weren't active in the boys' lives whatsoever. Um, He, in 2009, he did serve jail time for failure to pay child support to his first wife for their daughter. So he was married before, too, and did have a daughter from that relationship, but did not see her very often. I believe they lived out of state. So... The town of Morenci, which is where this all takes place, is, you know, the quintessential small town. Um, It was established in 1833. The 2010 census from when the story happens, the population was 2,220. And it was only 2.12 square miles. So it's a very, very small town. Um, It sits right on the border of Michigan and Ohio. And it's the skeleton House actually is about two minutes from the border and it sits at um, 112 East Congress. And I would recommend that you actually Google search this. I mean, they don't live there anymore, but um, you'll understand more of the aspect of the location if you actually Google the address. So. The skeleton home, and this is why I'm telling you to Google it because you'll really understand what I mean. Again, was at 112 East Congress, okay? It's one house off the corner of East Congress and North Summit. So they actually have a shared driveway with the corner house, and it's a very extremely large driveway. You can, like, fit eight or nine cars in this driveway. It's just massive. And it's very visible, their house and the driveway is extremely visible from so many different parts of the neighborhood because there's a field directly across the street. So they can be seen from like literally blocks away. And um, that, that honestly plays a really big part in this as well. So now I'm going to skip to the summer of 2010. Um, Everything with the family was fine. You know, um, obviously, if you remember at that time, there was a lot of unemployment going on. It was kind of like, um, you know, the the market was really down. Everything was just kind of like blah, layoffs everywhere. Um, John, who was an over the road truck driver lost his job. I'm not exactly sure why I work in the trucking industry and I know we were hiring, so I'm not exactly sure why he lost his job. Um, if it had to do with the jail time the year before, I honestly don't know. I couldn't find anything on that. Um, but he did not have a job at that time. He was very stressed about not having a job. He could not find one. Again, I don't know why, because unless you've got some major issues, it's, you know, trucking companies will take you on. So he was feeling pretty down about not having work. And he actually ended up going to Florida that summer for a class reunion. So He goes down and he sees his parents and his sister and reconnects with some of his classmates and realizes, hey, you know, there's work down here. You know, I got family down here. The weather's better. You know, he came back to Michigan with a fire that he wanted to move Tanya and the boys to Florida. Now. If you know me. I'd be all over that. <laughs> I that's like my dream. Okay? But Tanya hates the heat. She did not want to move to Florida in the heat. Plus, she has a felony conviction and she has she's on the sex offender registry. She cannot just pack up and go and she told John that. She said I can't there there's a lot of steps that have to be taken in order for me to move out of state. You know, and John is just like, well, this is really what we need, and you know, Tanya fought him. She says, you know what? I don't want to move to Florida, and they—they um, they, it kept coming up in discussion um, for a few weeks. Uh, the boys started school in early September, um, and of course, you know, John kept bringing it up, and Tanya kept telling him, "No, it's just not what I want to do." So that brings us to September. 13th, 2010, which was a Monday. And Tanya got up early. She got the boys ready for school and the boys had only been in school for like a week. And she dropped the boys off and she actually dropped off medication for the boys for the whole week. I'm not sure what kind of medication it was, possibly allergy, asthma. I I don't know, but she did drop off medication for the boys for the entire week. And then uh, she went home and she saw John, he was getting ready for work. And he told Tanya, um, I'll be back, you know, around 12 and I want to sit down and discuss us moving to Florida. And again, she's like, yeah, whatever. You know, um, she said, you know, I've got some things to do. She was going out with her daughter to run some errands, but they were going to be back. So Tanya and her daughter come back to the house, you know, John left for work and Tanya and her daughter went out. And when they got back, there was a message on the answering machine. And Tanya listened to the message. And um, it was the school counselor. And the counselor was extremely confused because John came to school and signed out the boys for a family vacation to Florida. Now, Tanya is like, what? There, We don't have a vacation planned. So... that's why the counselor was confused. I mean, she literally just dropped off the boys. She never made mention of this vacation. Plus she dropped off medicine for the kids. So Tanya calls John and he said he was taking the boys to Florida for a three week vacation. And Tanya was just like blown away. She's like, what? You know, this doesn't make any sense. And John's like, you didn't want to go. And she's like, no, I didn't want to move to Florida. You know, I didn't want to move there full time. You know, my family's here, but vacation, that's different. You never mentioned vacation, but three weeks is not, is not a vacation. That's an extended stay. And, you know, she's like, the boys just started school. You can't just pull them out for three weeks. And John's like, well, I'll enroll them in school here in Florida. um, And I could look for work. And then while we're down here, when we're down in Florida, you can, you know, figure out what needs to be done to move. And, you know, the boys can get to know my family. And Tanya's like, this doesn't, I mean, Tanya, I'm sorry. Just to clarify, her name is Tanya. Um, T-A-N-Y-A. If I call her Tanya, I'm so sorry. Um, it is actually Tanya. Um, So Tanya is like, this doesn't make any sense. You know, I, you can't just pull the boys out. So like her said, her daughter was there. I believe her daughter contacted the police and the chief at the time, Chief Larry Weeks, agreed to mediate a call between the two of them. So he's basically on the phone with John and Tanya. And that's when they realize that John is actually still in town. He has not left town yet. He's still local. So Tanya is trying to like convince him to come home because the, the police told her, you know, you need to get him to come home and the, the police told Tanya and her daughter the only way to stop John from taking the boys out of state is to file for divorce and file for emergency full custody. This is like coming out of left field. Like I said, up until this morning, up until this message she got on her phone, everything was fine. So she never, she didn't have like a lawyer. She hadn't talked to a lawyer. So she, she tells John, she says, look, you need to come home and get the boys birth certificates and their social security cards because you're not going to be able to register them in school without that information. And she, you know, and even the, the, the police officer agreed. He's like, no, you have to have that information. So John agrees to come home. So they hang up the phone. John's coming home. And at that point, Tanya stays home. She sends her daughter. And then the, the police are going to meet the daughter at the lawyer's office. She calls a lawyer, explains the situation. The daughter goes to the lawyer's office to pay a retainer so they can file the paperwork. Luckily, this is happening in small town USA where it's not like they're having, you know, crazy big trials every day. They were able to get a judge to sign the emergency order and um, they were going to bring her daughter and the police were going to come back to the house to serve John the paperwork so he could not leave. So John gets to the house. Tanya has her friend at the house with her because she didn't want to be there alone completely understandable. And John comes in and Tanya is, if you saw my fingers, I'm doing air quotes here, trying to find the boy's birth certificates. Now, if you're a mom like me, you know, where your kid's birth certificates are. She knew, she knew, she even states, she knew exactly where those birth certificates were, but she had to stall. So that's what she was doing at that point. She was stalling to buy time for her daughter and the police to arrive with the paperwork. So, um, the, the two older, actually all three of the boys were playing outside and Tanya is still quote unquote searching through the house. And, um, Tanner, the youngest boy had came in to ask his mom a question. So he's in the room with Tanya and her friend and John's phone rings. So John goes into his office to take the phone call. And within a few moments, he comes back out and he is completely irate and he's screaming and he's yelling. The phone call that he got was from his lawyer. The reason that John had not already left for Florida when Tanya called him was because he actually had a 4 p.m. meeting with the lawyer himself. Now, when Tanya contacted the lawyer, like I said, she did not have a lawyer handy. She grabbed the first one she found. It just so happened to be the same lawyer that John had contacted. So the lawyer contacted John to tell him that he could no longer meet with him at 4 p.m. because he was now on retainer for Tanya and he was now representing her and he could not represent both. So John is just furious He is screaming at the boys to get into the car and Tanya's friend luckily is standing there. She grabs Tanner and she carries him away um, and kept him safe. John goes out the door, the grabs the two older boys and puts them in the car. This is all happening like within just moments and John gets in the car and the boys are crying and Tanner's crying and, Tanya's crying. Everybody's just upset. John's yelling. And as this is all happening, Tanya's cousin is actually pulling into the, you know, pulling up in front of the house. Cause like I said, Tanya wanted her family. She needed people there with her for support. And John almost runs her over because he is pulling out so fast to, to steal these children. So all of a sudden out of nowhere, John, Alexander, and Andrew are gone. You know, he's, he's taken these boys. And then less than, Tanya estimates about a minute later, it had only been about a minute, the police and her daughter pull up in front of the house with the paperwork. So, you know, she did the best she could, but the lawyer's phone call um, definitely did not help. So John and the boys drove through the night to Jacksonville. As I said, Tanner was still with Tanya, thank God. Um, But, yeah, her two older boys were were gone. So she's trying to, Tanya at that point is trying to figure out, you know, what, what do we do? Um... She she knows, you know, John's a good dad. He loves his boys. He's not going to hurt his boys. He's just angry. He needs to calm down. Um, the next morning is actually Tanya's birthday. And um, John allows the boys to call Tanya to say happy birthday. And the boys tell her that they're staying with daddy's friends. Uh, Tanya assumed that he would be staying with his parents. But no, he was staying with his friend Hillary. And um, the boys were excited because Hillary's daughter was going to take them swimming. And, you know, the boys don't understand. You know, they're nine and seven. And um, Tanya was surprised because she thought that he was going to be staying with his parents. But Tanya knew who this Hillary was because it's one of the friends that John connected with, reconnected with, um, when he was there a few weeks before for the um, class reunion. So at that point, Tanya's like, yeah, no, I need my kids back. So Tanya and her mom and her daughters actually got in the car and drove to Florida. I do not know if Tanner went with them or if they left Tanner with another family member. I'm really not sure. I tried to confirm that um, with Tanya herself, but I have not been able to. Um, But they drove, they drove to Florida and it took a couple of days um, to get, you know, that, at that point it was Tuesday. So on Friday, they were finally able, um, they had the paperwork from the courts up here, and they were finally able to get the deputies to remove the boys from John. Again, um, because the local police were involved, Tanya couldn't just take the boys back to Michigan. It had to go through the system. So they they scheduled a court hearing for the following Monday, September 20th. So I, again, I'm not sure if Tanya had the boys over the weekend, um, or if they put the boys like in foster care. I really do not know. Um, I, again, I tried to reach out to Tanya to confirm, but I'm not sure. That's one thing I have not been able to confirm, but they, they have this, um, they had the court scheduled for Monday morning and all weekend long Tanya and her mom were like really worried about the court and um, and uh, they decided it would be best to get a lawyer and this was a good thing um, because and Tanya when she got her lawyer she disclosed immediately to the lawyer her felony conviction that she was on the sex offenders list um, she told him that John was fully aware, and um, so they had all that information. She was completely upfront with her lawyer. Well, it was a good thing she got a lawyer because uh, John brought one himself. So immediately, at the start of the hearing, John's lawyer states that Tanya, that the reason John took the boys, was because Tanya was sexually abusing them now the lawyer also brings up the fact that she's a sex offender she's on the registry um, she served time there had never there is nothing on record anywhere that there's ever been any allegations about her abusing her children now, remember earlier when I told you about her conviction and I said that the boy was a teenager and I mentioned that usually sex offenders have a preference. Number one, that was a teenager. These boys are five, seven and nine. They are children. OK, not that a teenager isn't, but there's a big difference. OK, there they were in school. There was never any inclination by any Anybody at school, these children were being abused. These children never expressed this information to anyone. They never claimed it. There was nothing on file. So John, you know, his lawyer is going on and on and saying this, you know, she's a sex offender. She shouldn't have her kids. And the judge at that point contacts the Michigan lawyer and talk, not the lawyer, but the, the judge in Michigan that signed the emergency order on Monday and got more of the story. And well, the judge comes back and he's like, no, this is, you're not going to play this game. Um. I know what happened. You know, um, she has full custody. You knew about And, you know, Tanya's lawyer got up there and he goes, you knew about this stuff. You know, there's never been you knew about her conviction prior to even dating her, you know, let alone marrying her and then having three children. But um, so the judge basically just shut all that down. Um, And the judge deemed that they would continue on with essentially joint custody Until they hit the Michigan-Ohio border. When they crossed the border, the boys were to be in Tanya's car with her. and her sole custody. Okay. So, that's what they did. They headed back to to Michigan. You know, they left Florida and they headed to Michigan. So, you got to figure this at this point it's like um there it's the holiday season you know thanksgiving is coming up it's halloween um tanya's lawyer essentially told her look you know you're go- you're going to go through this divorce um the judge is going to look yes you do have full custody of the kids but um the judge is going to look more favorably because at that point remember it's just emergency custody The judge is going to look more favorably on you if you do allow him parenting time. Because, again, up until this incident, everything was perfectly fine. John was a good dad. He loved his boys. (coughs) Excuse me. So, um, you know, Tanya decided to listen to the lawyer. (coughs) And she did allow John to see the boys and she said that um and she wanted to keep the peace she wanted to keep him happy so that they could get through the the divorce and the custody hearing she even suggested counseling she felt that it was needed by all of them i mean he had just kidnapped her children her children were going to need counseling as well so they did family and marriage counseling And, you know, John kept saying, I want to get back together. I want to get back together. I want us to be a family again. And Tanya's like, Tanya's like, you know, um, you, you, you stole my kids. (laughs) You know, you sat in front of a judge and claimed that I was sexually abusing my children. How are we supposed to get back together here? How are we supposed to have a family? And, um, But, you know, she still, she told him, you know, I I don't know. I don't know what, what's going to happen. I don't know how we're going to get through this. And they were, they were living separately. Uh, John stayed in the house at 112 East Congress. And Tanya moved with the boys to her daughter's house. She, her daughter and her husband had a vacant house that they were working on selling. And um, it was two blocks away, but because as I mentioned before about how open everything was, Tanya could actually see John's driveway from her house. Okay. So she said, you know, that was nice for her, but at the same time, John could also see parts of her house and, um, he could, you know, see her comings and goings, which wasn't the best. So again, Tanya is allowing, her to have john to have time with the boys and again just trying to keep the peace and that brings us to november 20th and 21st it's the weekend before thanksgiving and the boys were with john and john took it upon himself to tell the boys in detail that their mother had been arrested and she had gone to jail and why? Again, these children are five, seven, and nine. It wasn't something that Tanya was keeping a secret. Um, but her children are extremely young and did not need to know this information. So, um, she the boys came home. And of course, like any children... They have a lot of questions for their mom. And um, they, according to Tanya, they were more curious. They were more concerned that, um, you know, mommy was going to go away again. And Tanya assured the boys, look, I'm not going anywhere. This was a long time ago. I am here. I'm not leaving you. I'm not going anywhere. Okay. Um, she kept her cool with the boys. She um, she kept her emotions in check. And she put the boys to bed. And then she called John. And just lit into him. And she's like, what were you thinking? These are these are our babies. Five, seven and nine. You're talking a kindergartner, a second grader and a fourth grader did not need to know this information. At that point, Tanya's like, look, I don't even want to see him anymore. You know, yeah, they were, she was taking them over there. He was picking them up. It, no, she was done at that point. So when it came to the Thanksgiving holiday, again, didn't want to see him. So the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, she dropped the boys off at her parents' house. And that's where John was going to pick them up because she didn't want to have any contact with John. So, um, you know, it was an, it was already an agreed upon visit, so it wasn't like she could turn back. She had already told him and she was trying to keep the peace for the, for the court's sake. Um, remember he, she had full physical and legal custody. This was, this was her being nice. This was her giving him parenting time. So she dropped the boys off at her parents. Um, she hugged and kissed them goodbye and told them that she would see them later. And then the boys picked them up from her parents' house. Uh, That night, on that Wednesday night, uh, John made the boys their favorite fried chicken. And he baked a cake. I'm not sure if it was for one of the boys' birthdays. You know, the boys, two of the boys, actually all three of the boys had just had recently had birthdays. So I'm not sure if that's why he was baking the cake. But um, he did bake a cake. Um... That's Thanksgiving morning. John called Tanya and asked, you know, is there any way we can work this out? It was like he was pleading with her. What, you know, can we work this out? Is there anything that we can do? And she's like, John, I don't know. I I, I don't know. I mean, Tanya says she knew in her heart that it was over, but she she was like almost scared to tell him absolutely no because you know obviously this guy is just like losing it at this point so she told him she goes I I don't know she goes you you hurt me you betrayed my trust you you took the boys to Florida without telling me and then you told them about you know what about my about my conviction I mean come on and of course John tries to spin it, and he says, well, you betrayed me by involving the police and taking the boys, coming to Jacksonville and taking the boys. Well, yeah, because you kidnapped them. I mean, let's be honest here, you know. So there, this phone call is not going well at all because, like, she doesn't know what to say to him. He wants to get back together, and there's no way she's going to be able to do that after everything he's done. But she could hear the boys in the background on the phone playing, and you know they were happy. You know they were giggling and laughing and playing and having a good time. And um, then at two thirty that afternoon, they were in uh, their front, they, were, they were in the yard playing. Their neighbor saw them playing. You know life was fine. There was no reason to be concerned. Then, uh, the next day, Black Friday, Friday, um, November 26th, it was prearranged that Tanya was going to pick up the boys at, uh, 3 p.m. on Friday, or she'd get them back. I'm not sure if John was supposed to bring them to her parents or what was supposed to happen, but she was supposed to get the boys back at 3 p.m. that day. And that morning, um, you know, Tanya looked out and saw John's car his minivan in the, in the driveway. And she just thought, you know, if they don't have anything planned, maybe I could pick them up early. So she called John and she asked him if she could get the boys about noon. But John said, we're not home. And Tanya's like, that's weird. Um, She's like, what do you mean you're not home? Your van's, your van's in the driveway. And uh, he says, well, my friend, Joanne picked us up. And um, we're out having fun. We're up in Niles, Michigan. Um, But you know, I can we can I can see if we can get back by noon. So she calls him a little bit later to see, you know, hey, do you think you're going to be back by noon? And John says, Well, I'm actually at home. The boys are with Joanne. They spent the night with her. And Tanya's like, Wait, what? She's completely confused at this point like what is going on where is she and when is she bringing the boys and John tells her that um, he's on the way to She's actually on his way to the hospital because he hurt his ankle and he doesn't have um, Joanne's number so at that point Tanya is just like what's this doesn't make any sense she's completely like like you know you you hear something that completely shocks you and takes the wind out of you like what is going on here so tanya immediately calls her lawyer and she's like completely panicked and the lawyer says okay just you know calm down wait until after 3 p.m before calling the police because that's the time that he's supposed to bring the kids back and it was agreed upon um if they're not there by then, you know, give it some time. So Joey, um, Tanya actually calls the hospital and, you know, she tell she lets them know that she's, you know, cause she is still legally married to him. So the hospital tells her that, um, he actually hurt his leg in a failed suicide attempt. John stated that he tried to hang himself in his home and that he hurt his ankle and that is why he came to the hospital. I have reached out to the police chief Larry Weeks that was handling the case at that time, um, because I had a couple of questions regarding this. Um there does seem to be some inconsistency as in was he already at the hospital? How did he get to the hospital because his van was in the driveway? Um how did he get to the hospital? did somebody take him? I mean, there was a few questions I had there, but I have not heard back from him yet, if I even will. But um, I was a little bit confused by that. So at, th- at exactly 301, Tanya calls the police and there's no answer. Now, remember, this is very small town, very small police department. Um, so she then calls the Michigan State Police But they said, hey, you've got to call the Morenci police. So um, she called some family members and they actually started to drive around looking for a police officer. Again, very small town. Um, Tanya finally got through. She got through to an officer and that officer contacted Chief Weeks at home and said, um, told him what was going on. So they immediately go straight to um, John's house. And that they could not, they tried to go into the door because Tanya Tanya's thing was like, okay, what the hell are my boys laying in this house somewhere? So they tried to get into the home, but I guess something was like literally blocking the door. They could not enter the home. So they finally, the police are finally able to get into the house. Thankfully, the boys are not in the house, but the house was an absolute mess. Um, there was a glass face that had been shattered in the kitchen, um, a curio cabinet that had been busted into pieces. He took a knife to the bed and stabbed the ped repeatedly, slashed other pieces of furniture, broke other pieces of furniture, and Tanya states that it actually looks like it was done all in a fit of rage. Um, at that point, they began to pull up John's cell phone pings, Okay, so I had to edit the last couple of seconds out. Um, Due to the time restraints, and I realized just how much more is left, I'm going to stop here. Um, At this point, they had pulled up his cell phone pings from that morning, as well as his Google searches. And trust me, this is information that you are going to want to hear. Um, Next week, you are going to hear the absolute craziest things that you have heard these are some of the stuff is coming straight from John's mouth it, it's literally insane um so make sure you turn in tune in next week for the um, final portion of the Skelton Brothers disappearance um before I sign off I did want to thank uh again uh Jeremy Allen with WDIV uh, for his incredible shattered podcast, it's absolutely amazing. If you have the time, go check it out. It's on all the podcast um, platforms. Um, going back to all of the uh, TV stations and the newspapers that have kept coverage on this case over the last twelve years, you know, thank you to them um, for their re- for their wonderful coverage because. You know, I got all this information from them Um, and extremely so grateful for Tanya Zuckers for her willingness to keep her boy's story alive. Um, If you have a chance, just type in her name into YouTube. It's T-A-N-Y-A Zuckers. I'm sorry. It's actually Zuckers. um, Z-U-V-E-R-S. Type in her name into YouTube and just watch some of her interviews because she's amazing. She is so strong. Um, and she is definitely trying to keep her boy's memory alive. So again, join me next week for the, um, second part of the Skelton brothers and, um, what happened after their disappearance. So thank you all. Bye-bye.